Welcome to Good Morning, the podcast on a mission to open up the conversation around grief and loss with honesty and humour. Hosted by Sally and Imogen, we interview interesting guests to hear how losses shape their lives. Join us as we laugh, cry and drop the odd F-bomb. Welcome back to the Good Morning Podcast. Good and morning. Good morning. And, oh, and what? Ooh. And our first up close and griefy of the year. It is. I've missed these episodes. Me too. <laughs> but first, before we jump into grief, misconceptions, myths and expectations, Im, you've got your voice back. I got my bloody voice back, guys. Look. I just thought it was touch and go there for a minute. <laughs> so in our last episode, you were feeling pretty run down and rough. Did you get to the bottom of what it was? Yes, I was so ill. Uh, okay, and this is something that we need to talk about as well as like pushing through when you're not feeling good. Um, but yeah, that day that we recorded that intro, the next day I woke up and I had vertigo. It was honestly the what? most scariest thing ever, but I knew I had some sort of infection and then I talked myself down from call an ambulance. I'm dying to, okay, this might be to do with the infection that's moved into my head. I don't know. And then, yeah, was okay. But it lasted for about 40 minutes. And so I ended up going to the doctor and he um, told me I've got like bad bronchitis and then vertigo. What oh, mate. I mean, that would have been scary waking up like that, right? I bet you felt like you'd be oh, on a bender, didn't you? You were still honestly, drunk. Honestly, yeah, it was like, it was <laughs> like it, if you guys have been really drunk and you've tried to lie down in bed and the room is spinning, it's like that, but 10 times worse. Like I went to, I went to go get up and I like fell to the right. Like I didn't have any balance. Oh, it was so weird. So weird. And so it lasted for about 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, how am I even going to get to the doctor? I can't drive the car. I can't do anything. What if this happens again? You know, my overthinking brain, just worst case scenario. I was like, I'm going to live like this forever. <laughs> Compounded with the old grief anxiety, which I know we did a post about this week. Uh, yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> my health anxiety, which I've struggled with. Um, yeah, it really didn't love that for me. And how are you feeling now? Feeling good. Still a little bit rattly in the chest, but feeling good. I got back to my exercise this morning. No, yesterday started running again. So that's really good. I hate it when I'm feeling sick because I can't do my usual non-negotiable things that help with my mental health. Um, and yeah. I think sometimes the the pushing through, even when we're starting to feel sick and we're starting to feel burnt out, which I think was where you were at last time we recorded the pod. So our episode with Alira Potter it's such a thing in grief, isn't it? I think we are so stretched thin sometimes and we're trying to grieve and process everything that's going on for us. And then on top of all the emotions that come with grief, there's then the massive sort of physical impacts that we don't talk about as much, but grief is exhausting. And when you're feeling stressed, when you're feeling low, sometimes that can then affect your immunity and your your general sort of well-being and you can feel really burnt out and run down and you might be more likely to catch a cold or like, you know, you, you just get ill in general. And I think that was kind of where you were operating from last week. Yes, definitely. And I feel like you as well, Sal, are queen of pushing through. 
<laughs> queen of burnout. I'm going to queen of the push through. And do you yes. know what though? This week, so I I've been the same as you. I've been feeling like I've been pushing through, and the last like month or so, I've been really low like in terms of my energy levels, like I've just been feeling so, so tired. So I went to the doctors, got all my bloods done. Um, and oh, wait, the day that they, you, they were, the doctor was meant to call you, I'm going to go, the doctor's going to call with my, my, with my results. And then they didn't call and you're like, the doctor hasn't called. And yeah. I'm like, trying to like talk you down. I'm like, it's totally fine. Look, if something was wrong, they'd let you know. <laughs> Yeah, I got ghosted by my doctor. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I went in and I got my blood results. Everything was fine. He's like, you know what? It could just be grief. No way. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. It's not the vitamin D levels. It's not my thyroid. It's grief. <laughs> ah, and um, like, I think the thing is, it's like, you know, we're into our third year is it yeah yeah hell into our third year and you you'd think that we'd be kind of past that exhaustion phase but it's still there like I'm still ratchet exhausted to be honest peaks and troughs I think and I think yeah so if anyone else is like feeling a bit exhausted you are not alone and I've been practicing what we've been preaching actually because our last episode with Alira Potter which I absolutely loved we talked a lot about boundaries and self-awareness and self-love and practicing saying no and I have been doing that this last couple of weeks just really being really conscious before I say yes to something like am I doing this for me or am I doing this to people please or am I just stretching myself too thin because I think the last couple of weeks feeling burnt out feeling really low in energy I've realized I've been just saying yes and doing stuff and like overcompensating in areas that I don't need to and I think it comes from a place of wanting to please but also then like a sort of anxiety as well an anxiety yes. of saying no. So I've been like really- Like a guilt, like a yeah. guilt as well. Yes, I get yeah. exactly the same like that. Yeah, so I've been really trying just to kind of take a breath and be like, actually, no, you don't have time for that or you need to prioritize your rest time. So I've been feeling a bit better for that. I've been making like carving out more space for myself the last couple of weeks. I've been putting my phone on airplane mode every night, which is a coping mechanism for me. And I feel, I do feel a bit more replenished for it. So- Anyone else out there who's, you know, feeling a bit stretched thin, definitely listen to our episode with Alira Potter and practice maybe saying no, because it can help just create a bit more space for you. And I feel, I feel good. Yeah. And I feel like your energy is good. Like I'm, I'm getting a good energy. So I'm bloody proud of you, Sal. It's not easy to say no. So yeah, like you said, anyone else listening, definitely give Alira's uh, episode a listen. It's so great. And she just teaches so many wonderful things to do with like, manifesting boundaries self-love all of that stuff but today we are going to be talking about something that we've wanted to cover for a while haven't we we're going to be talking about misconceptions myths reality versus expectations in grief the big g the g-bomb whatever you call it it's bloody surprising isn't it it is and i think it's not until you're actually in grief and i know we talk about this a lot that you realize what it's like it's kind of like we don't talk about grief really as a society so we don't know what to expect and then we get there and we're like what 
all of the things that come with it. And I think sometimes you can think that it's just you that is experiencing all those things. You know, when we posted about anxiety this week, and also when we posted a couple of weeks ago about having a grief sesh, quite a few people were like, oh, I thought that was just me. Yeah. You know? But it's not just you. And um, you quite often you wonder if anyone else is going through all of these things, like even the physical symptoms, you think you don't even realize sometimes that it is grief. Mm. like brain fog I know a lot of people thought you know what's going on here am I just different now but it's it's yeah, something wrong with me yeah so there's so many like myths and expectations that we think versus the reality of what grief is like so yeah a big one to dive into today but before we do Guys, if you enjoy Good Morning, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you could leave us a cheeky rating or review on Apple or Spotify podcasts, we would absolutely love that. And thank you to everyone who has already left us a really lovely review. We read every single one and it honestly warms our hearts. And so, Sal, there are a lot of preconceived notions floating around about um, grief in the grief sphere, aren't there? I like that grief sphere. Sometimes in grief, when you feel like your grief has to meet unrealistic expectations, it can also make the whole process like way harder to navigate. Yes, so true. And some people who I think haven't experienced loss themselves, the lucky bastards, might think that grief is just like a task to complete and it's not. And they think they might have like an end date. And once you've made it through the, you know, the dreaded year of first, you go back to normal, whatever that is. What, why do you think that is whatever normal it is yeah literally um, <laughs> not normal anymore but yeah <laughs> I think it might be because like I said earlier like because we don't talk about grief as a society we just we just aren't prepared for all the things that come with it we've got no idea we just don't know what to expect and so people might think that grief is just something that happens you know for like a few months and then you get over it I think there's just so many misconceptions floating out there and that's why you know obviously we you know what we're doing through good morning is trying to talk about grief normalize grief open up the conversation about grief because until you're in it you just don't know and guys I'm just going to say the dogs are snoring again so if you can hear (sighs) the weird noise it's because the dogs are underneath me snoring so we've got company but like, like you just said um about people think you get over it right like you don't get over grief and this is what we really try to let people know and especially for people supporting people like the longevity of grief like we we are going to be grieving forever and people don't realize that that haven't been through it and it's just yeah it's mind-bending so so many misconceptions out there like what do you think Im that the biggest grief myth is um I think for, for me, one of the biggest ones would have to be that the first year of loss is the hardest. And yes. I know a lot of our community members feel the same way on this one. Um, there is an expectation from outside people in the grief community that once you go through all of the first, you should be getting better. And like that the first anniversaries are the hardest And I think when you, well, definitely for me, when I moved into the second year of loss, there's a finality to it that is really hard to comprehend because I think you and I, uh, because we had, you know, our mums died suddenly, there was so much shock for Mm. our grief. And I think it took a long, long time for that to wear away. And then 
it finally sunk in, like the reality of it started to sink in towards the end of the first year, definitely coming into the second year. And it's like, holy shit, like I've got to live with this. Like she's not coming back. Mm. And I think that was the hardest thing for me to wrap my head around. Whereas, you know, support externals like support people have stopped checking in because they've got you through the first year and it's like hang on a minute this is fucking hard the second year is harder in in a lot of ways definitely and I think you know the first year is sometimes whether it's sudden but also when it's anticipated you're kind of operating on this autopilot mode the shock kind of almost propels you forward and you're almost like uh, cocooned by it in a way. It's Mm. like it takes a while for that to wear off and the reality, like you said, to sink in. And then then after the first year, you know, you're still... It's time, time starts ticking along and then you're thinking about how long it's been since you last saw them, heard their voice, you know, felt their touch, all those things. And then the as longing, you, yeah, like the longing and the yearning really yeah. start to ramp up, don't they? Yeah. And then as your life moves forward and you, there are milestones and, you know, things that happen in your life as well, I think that can like bring grief up again. Um, so you're absolutely right. That's a massive misconception that the first year is the hardest. It is for yeah. some people, absolutely. Not saying that it's, it's, it's you know, obviously we're all different and everyone's grief is different, but I, I think that it's not always the hardest year. Some mm. people might find the second or third year, fifth year, you know, 10th year, just as difficult. I think it is a common, common one. Mm. And what about you, Sal? What's up there on your list of misconceptions? up there on my griefy misconceptions list (laughs) I think one of the biggest ones and I know there'll probably be a few people that will be nodding along to this are the stages of grief that you go through you know I think we think when grief happens we end up in a bit of a google hole you know it's probably (laughs) one of the first things that we end up you know finding out about when we're in grief is the the five stages and I think we sort of think that we can just tick them off or that, that they should be moved through in some sort of linear order and I know when we were talking to Joe Betts, we had a joke about trying to like beat the grief. You know, you yeah. kind of feel like you can kind of get through it and, oh, cool, I'm done now. See you later. Um, but obviously not the case. How good would that be though? <laughs> Game show, beat like the I'm grief. done, mic drop. Oh my God, could uh. you imagine? Welcome to beat the grief. <laughs> How quickly can you move through the five stages? Um, uh. But the five stages of grief, in, for anyone that hasn't heard of it, which I'd be surprised if you haven't, but... Um, they're quite famous and they were developed by the psychiatrist um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and their denial, anger, bargaining, depression and acceptance. Absolutely not linear. And we go through them all maybe in the same day. Sometimes it's like a big black squiggle. You know, there are no sort of stages to it. And we actually talk about this, don't we, with an upcoming guest in David Kessler. We, we do, David Kessler. And David is actually was Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's protege, which is pretty wild. Like she's a big deal in the grief world and so is David Kessler. And like, we're so excited for this interview, guys. And to build on that, um, we discussed with David, like about the five stages of grief and how this misconception has sort of come about because Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross actually never intended for the stages to be misconstrued like that like it she she never meant for them to be linear yes and and that's a big myth buster isn't it it is a big myth myth buster (laughs) (laughs) and yet what's really interesting is those stages were never actually meant for the bereaved so they were originally in her book on death and dying and they were observations of people at their end of life 
and the stages that you go through before you die. And in a sense, I think we do feel a lot of those things, you know, a lot of those things that are supposed to be the stages of grief. Like I definitely felt denial and I feel anger and I went through bargaining and you feel depression. And I think all of those feelings are really normal, but you can feel them all at once and you can feel them not at all, or you could feel them 10 in 10 years time. Like it's like, it's definitely not linear. Um, so yeah, somewhere along the way, it's just turned into a massive misconception. Absolutely. I think it's one of the biggest ones out there. And another one for me is this idea of closure or that we move on, which is just simply, it's just not true, is it? No, I love um, Nora McInerney's TED talk on that as well, actually, about how there's no such thing as moving on from loss. Like you move forward, you know, but we don't move on. Like it's not something that we're ever going to get over. And closure is, I think, an impossible thing when someone dies. It actually reminds me of our conversation with Hope Edelman, where she shared a really good analogy about like closure and getting over it. Do you remember? She said, like, it feels like at certain points we're like leaning towards acceptance, but it's kind of more like a train station that you arrive and depart. Like, it's kind of like you move back and forth between this point of maybe feeling like you might have accepted it at, at points, depending on what's going on in your life. But it's never like a final destination. It's kind of like a feeling that you move you move through. And I really love that analogy. Yeah. Um, I love that too. And I think acceptance is another kind of myth buster that we need to talk about because people think that when you hit acceptance, you have moved on, like you've gotten over it and you're not grieving anymore. But this is another thing that we talk about with David Kessler is like acceptance doesn't mean that you're okay with the death. Like we'll never be okay and accept what's happened, but it actually means like you acknowledge the reality and that perspective is just so helpful. And I think, you know, acceptance just means like that you sort of come to terms with the loss. And, and again, you may move in and out of it. Like it's not a final destination. So spot on. Yeah, that's a really good perspective. You maybe lean towards it a little bit more at certain times in your life. Like you, mm. it ebbs and flows, very much like grief in a way. Yeah, like I, I remember the first time where I felt what I, what I thought was acceptance, which was at the ten month mark. Like ten months into into my loss, I felt a, a bit of acceptance of like I'd sort of come to terms with it but it didn't mean that I felt it was okay. I still have so much to process and work through, but it is just a feeling of like, okay, this has happened, you know, I'll, I'll manage it and I'll work through it and deal with it. But yeah, it's kind of acknowledging the reality of it, which I couldn't do for a very long time. Um, so let's jump into some more community responses because there were some really good ones. So Tori says, like me, that she couldn't believe that the second year could be worse, but it totally was. So I think that's a very common one. And Imogen agrees. Oh my God, someone's called Imogen. Amazing. Hello, my twin. Um, Imogen agrees. (laughs) She says after almost a year, she thought that things should be easier, but instead she feels like she hasn't gone anywhere in terms of feeling better. I'm so sorry that you're feeling that way. Um, It can take a long time. You know, it's such a long process. So go easy on yourself and take very good care of yourself during this time. And Lenny says, there's a misconception that it won't hurt as much after a while. For her, after two plus years, it's still fresh and still bloody hurts. 
Reiko has some wise words here. She says, it's not over after one year. It's never over. It changes you and you just learn how to carry it. So very true. And Lucia says that she's been surprised at the physical symptoms of grief and how they go on for years after, like the brain fog, the insomnia. We actually did a post about um, grief insomnia today. Like it's an actual thing. Like people can wake up all hours of the night, have nightmares, just find it really difficult to get back to sleep and then feel really groggy and awful as a result. And that's another very common thing in grief, which people don't might not be aware of. Um, and Jacko says she was the same. She did, she did not expect how physically painful grief can be. I think there's a big expectation, you know, and this is another myth that grief is just emotional, but mm. the physical symptoms are huge. And often, you know, we're not prepared for it. We might be prepared for the emotional hit. You know, we might know, you know, grief is going to be a cascade of emotions or at the very least, a feeling of like deep longing and sadness but we are not prepared for how much it can impact our bodies no like the vertigo the fucking constant like the insomnia insomnia exhaustion Um, all of it the grief tapes here says she did not expect the grief fog and she's done that in capital letters so i assume she's screaming that out she really feels that and we feel you too the grief tapes the grief fog is so bad like you can't even like you can't remember the simplest things i struggled to like do basic tasks i couldn't remember people's names what I went into the next room to get, like it really messes with your brain, doesn't it, Sal? It really, really does. And like, even now, like on heavy days, I, I feel the fog. Like I went to the post office the other day. <laughs> I couldn't even get my words out. I was like oh at the counter, God. like asking for, like, I was just asking something really basic. And it's like my brain just, like I'd had a massive brain fart. And I was like, I literally, the woman was looking at me. I was like, mm, uh, k- k- uh, uh, uh. I just couldn't get it out. And like, oh. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story actually. (laughs) Yeah, go on. I'm sorry. Um, I was actually at the park the other day and I was chatting to some mums in my neighbourhood and it's the first time I've ever kind of like chatted to anyone around here because I think everyone's kind of been locked away from COVID, but we were chatting about just about our kids. And I asked her, I was like, oh, so how, how old is your son? And she's like, oh, he's three. And then I went to ask like, what's his name? But I asked how old he was again. And she went three. And I went, no, how old is he? And she's <laughs> like, he's three. And I was like, oh my God, like what's wrong with my brain? I couldn't, like, I thought I was asking her what's his name, but I literally asked her three times how old he was. This woman is probably looking at me going, you're an absolute weirdo. Like, I fucking <laughs> told you he's three, all right? He's not getting any older as we sit here. But honestly, my brain just flatlined. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> it happens though, doesn't it? And like, sometimes like, yeah, you just your brain just feels like it takes a while to kick into gear and brain fog, grief fog. Yeah. I think it's called grievous fog as well. Like, it's absolutely a thing. Like, you know, that time that you, didn't you buy like six packets of the same cheese? In, the oh, same, in one week or something yes I would go do the weekly shop and I'd buy a packet of like a massive like family pack of tasty cheese and then get home and realize I've still got an unopened one that I bought last week and then I'd do it again and again I ended up having six packets of tasty cheese in the fridge unopened I'm like why do I keep buying this like <laughs> I really needed that tasty cheese <laughs> oh. my, my favorite one though is the 
the Birkenstocks one, your one. <laughs> you went out of the house with the wrong shoes on. Like, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. Like, this is in the early days of grief. I just wasn't with it. I was just like so foggy. And I got to the beach. I took the dogs for a walk. And I realized I like it. I do like a pair of Birkenstocks. So I've got quite a few and I had like different pairs on my feet. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to rock this. It's fashion, guys. <laughs> Too much toe cleavage for me. <laughs> that was my favorite one. Um, so Media Missy. Hey, Missy. I actually used to work with Missy. She's such a legend. Shout out to Missy. We used to have a good laugh in the office. Um, so she says that she didn't expect the anger and the overwhelm at trying to push through. And Heather says that she's a rational, logical thinker, but sometimes her grief outweighs her logic. I agree with that. Yeah, me too. And the grief tape also says she was surprised um, that people expected her to be over it a couple of weeks in. So back to what we said earlier, like crazy, the expectations. I think people sometimes think that, you know, you have the funeral and then you're going to be okay. Ludicrous. Oh my God. Absolutely ludicrous. And Sheila says that something people don't realize is that the secondary losses are a reality of grief and loss. Absolutely. People might not realize that sometimes you're not simply dealing with the grief from the death. Like there's so many other things that you grieve as well when someone dies. And it's common to be coping with secondary losses, which can feel like absolute curveballs and a bloody painful addition to what is already an incredibly difficult time. Absolutely. And, you know, secondary losses can be, there are so many things that secondary losses can be, but, you know, losing friends, like relationships changing, even like your family structure changing or your role in the family changing, like um, your financial situation changing, like even like loss of future plans, like so many things. And I think people don't realize that often there are lots of elements that we're grieving, not just the death loss. should we say the primary loss but there are secondary losses like so many of them so that's a massive one Sheila thanks for pointing that out it is a big one I think for me on secondary losses was like losing my emotional support like my mum was that like emotional support for me like and I know you know for you too as as well Sal like the person your go-to for things that you know happen in your life that you need someone to bounce off and talk to about it and and yeah losing that has been really lonely Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I think just having that sort of that solid support and that companionship for a lot of people as well. It's that, you know, when you lose, especially like um, a spouse or Mm. a partner, there are so many elements of your life that change. And it is, um, you know, many, many secondary losses and it's grief compiled on, you know, compounded grief on top of grief on top of grief. So it is a really big thing that people need to know. And it is a big misconception that you just grieve the death loss. And this is an important one to call out. Kelsey says that after her child died, she was really surprised by the perception of others because she, she, you know, she wasn't in complete disarray and she wasn't like not able to parent her other living child. And people kind of, she said she felt people judged her when she wasn't showing like enough emotion. And when she wanted to be involved with all the logistical things that come with the death and, you know, that she wasn't kind of crying all the time. She felt that people kind of, judged her and I think that is a expectation that people have on us that we are going to be on the floor kind of you know crying and unable to function Mm. even if you've been through the most heartbreaking loss 
sometimes people deal with their emotions differently. And like, I very much was when my mum died, I was absolutely devastated. I was heartbroken. Like I was, it was the most awful time in my life, but I, I fucking cracked on and I organized a funeral and I went out with friends and I had dinners with people in the UK and like I could function, but it didn't mean that I wasn't grieving or yeah. devastated. And I think Jonna also says she was pretty numb for the first few months and she thought something was wrong with her. And Vela also agrees and says that she was, you know, she wasn't prepared for not feeling sad hundred percent of the time. Mm, she was laughing. Yeah. Like laughing and joking while planning her mum's funeral. And of course there were tears, but she was able to function. And I think we can, there's a lot of expectations from others that we shouldn't be able to function or that we are going to be like paralyzed by emotions and overcome with sadness 24 7 but actually we all deal with things differently and some of us can function some of us process our emotions differently it goes back to the grieving styles doesn't it Im? the you know the um yes instrumental versus intuitive grievers which are you know at the opposite ends of the grief spectrum um and some people might be one or the other but it's quite common to be a bit of blend, a blend of both. But the instrumental grievers like myself, perhaps like Jonna, like Vela, like Kelsey, we channel our energy, we channel our grief by doing practical things. We might be a little bit more able to talk about our person in a rational way without getting overwhelmed with emotions, but it doesn't mean that we aren't feeling the pain and we don't have a big cry at at some point. Whereas you've got the the intuitive grievers, which is absolutely you, isn't it, Im? And you team Im, yeah. <laughs> overcome with emotion and like you, you feeling it all, yeah. yeah. And you cannot not feel it. And I think we can really judge ourselves hard in grief, can't we? Like, am I doing this right? Why aren't I overcome with emotions? Why am I able to like plan the logistical stuff, plan the funeral? Why am I? able to be at work and cracking on and yeah it's, mm. it's such a big one and on the flip side of that because I am the opposite like I I couldn't do any of those things and I couldn't function I judged myself and thought why can't I fucking hold it together like you know is there something wrong with me am I not doing this properly like everyone else seems to be like handling it like is there something wrong with me and that's the thing is like there's no right or wrong way to grieve however you grieve is just you know it's unique to you and the relationship that you had with the person and you know so many factors are involved so that's a big a big big one and Cassie says she didn't realize how normal you can feel at times and then how distraught you can become and this is this is true I've seen a lot of tweets actually about that it's like one minute you're you're fine and then the next minute you're like on the floor crying and grief is very unpredictable too like you just never know what you're going to be feeling from one minute to the next and definitely and the grief bombs they can strike at any oh, moment the grief bombs hit yeah left right and center um I haven't had one for a little while actually I was I think over like the Christmas period it was like one after the other but I had a little bit of a numb numb period which has been very welcomed (laughs) and Dragona says she didn't know how little energy she'd have to even be able to speak to friends or get out of bed some days she was also surprised at the intensity of the pain and yeah it's absolutely exhausting grief and Amy says there can be an expectation to turn your pain into purpose on this Amy that is a very important one that you've brought up and I think it's so important to highlight you do not have to create something from your grief Your trauma does not have to lead to a purpose. You do not have to develop a thick skin or find meaning 
everyone is so different and just bloody grieving is enough, you know, grieving is enough. And I know, you know, we've done, we've created a podcast, but it doesn't mean that you have to go and do anything with your grief. Like, yeah, there's no expectations for that. And there, there doesn't have to be a silver lining, like just bloody grieve. Like that is enough. Yeah. And I think sometimes people think that there is, that you have to find uh, purpose from your pain. And that can be an expectation that we put on ourselves, but you don't have to like, everyone's different and everyone grieves differently. And just just grieving is enough and it's something that we discuss with the godfather of grief david kessler in our next episode because i think yeah like can. what meaning actually is like and what finding meaning actually means and it's it's not as extravagant as you may may think which is which is really helpful and i love this one sal Oh my God. I love this one too. (laughs) Monica says, guys, get ready. She thought she'd never have sex again, but her libido went through the roof and she turned into a widho. Widho. I fucking love you, Monica. I'm absolutely screaming when I saw that one. Um, I love it. Get it girl. But you know, that, that is, it's important to highlight because I think especially for widows, you might feel so many complicated emotions when it comes to intimacy again after a loss. And you might not expect that you you want to have sex or you want to kind of get out there again. So it's important to highlight, again, everyone grieves so differently and everyone reacts to loss so differently. So thanks for sharing that one, Monica. And we've okay. got an upcoming interview with two widows that found love again with each other, haven't we? Oh, um, so interesting. And it's such an interesting conversation. They really shine a light on what it's like, sort of, you know, finding that connection with someone else again after loss. But thanks for being so open, Monica, because, yeah, I, I would have thought that maybe you are just, like, not interested in intimacy after a big loss, but not always the case. And, again, no. need to need to talk about these things. Yeah. And Juliana says she thought she'd have more support but she doesn't. I think that's a thing. Like another expectation that we have in grief is that people are going to rally round. And sometimes what can actually happen is the people that we think are going to show up for us don't. And people that we hardly know can become like the greatest supporters. And I think grief really does shine a spotlight on your relationships with others, doesn't it? And friendships, especially. Absolutely. I think we can have expectations of others to to be there. And, and when those expectations aren't met, it can be really hurtful and really hard. And that's something that we talked about in, a, in our last grief tip Tuesday episode, especially around friendships, like, yeah, those expectations are hard when they're not met. And people can also think that we don't want to talk about them, I think. And grieving Lily said that talking about them keeps them alive and close to her and it makes her feel better. I think it's so true. And Teague says she didn't expect the uncontrollable emotional outbursts at random times, the, AKA the grief bombs, right? So for new listeners, that's our term for when you have an unexpected, what's usually called as a wave of grief. We call them grief bombs. We feel like it's a little bit more accurate because it's like exploding emotions in public when you least expect it. Um, On grief bombs, Jane says she didn't realize that anything can trigger a grief bomb. She also says her memory is awful since her mum died and she wasn't prepared for the physical pain too. Absolutely. It's oh the memory thing and the physical pain, all of it, like the (laughs) grief bomb triggers as well. Sometimes I'll like 
hear a song and it's not even a song that reminds me of my mum but it's literally like I hear a song and I think oh mum would have been alive when that song was made and then boom like it's just weird like the, the little triggers that random random yeah Teg says that her dad died suddenly on her wedding night last May and I'm really sorry Teg that's like awful and one of the things that she didn't realize about grief is the fear that can take over about losing someone else and I think we can absolutely relate to this can't we Im? especially like the sudden death anxiety like for me personally I have a massive anxiety now like who's next and I have to really talk myself down and it can be all consuming yes absolutely grief anxiety is very common and you can also experience it like with your health and I, I think especially around if your if your loved one died from cancer or another illness physical illness like you can start to become quite obsessive that it's going to happen to you or somebody else that you love and you start monitoring symptoms and worst case scenario just becomes default for everything. I think after you experience a big loss. And I think people might not realize that the anxiety can stem from grief. And what I would say is if you are feeling very anxious about things, don't, don't be afraid to go and seek professional help and talk to somebody about it because that can really help and they can give you really helpful strategies and tools to, to, to help yourself kind of cope with it because it can be all consuming and it's not it's not nice to live with it. And Im, I know you've had a lot of different sort of support for your anxiety that's really helped you, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. I've sort of really, really been on top of my anxiety because it got really bad after mom died. And um, weirdly, my anxiety it now manifests as like driving anxiety, just so weird. But I have, I get a fear of like driving long distances or be driving on like a, a freeway where I can't just pull over and like, you know, get out of the car if I need to. And actually today I've got to drive two hours and 20 minutes somewhere on my own. So guys, we will, yeah, we will let you know how that goes. But I'm, um, what's been so helpful is like anxiety, Josh's book, and also Claire Bidwell Smith's book. And um, just knowing that like anxiety is a really normal part of grief. And it's it's like an adrenaline rush that you feel that can make you feel all, the, all of these physical symptoms. So it's important to like be able to identify what's happening to your body when it's happening. So then you can talk yourself down from I'm dying to I'm anxious. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's really hard. And for anyone else going through it, my heart goes out to you because it's, it's, it's a constant struggle. I think seeking professional help, um, reading more about it, trying to understand it. So Anxiety Josh is on Instagram at Anxiety Josh. We'll link his account in the show notes. Claire Bibwell-Smith is an upcoming guest of ours and she's got a brilliant book called Anxiety, The Missing Stage of Grief, which we'll also link in the show notes. Some really helpful resources. Um, and I think even things like just, just learning how to breathe deeply can really help sort of calm your mind when you feel like it's like on overdrive. Yes, conscious deep breathing is vital because we can forget how to breathe properly. And also supplements have really helped me because I did have a chemical imbalance um, in my brain. I was running on too much adrenaline and, and not enough serotonin. And I saw a, nat a naturopath, a he's a biochemist actually, and um, prescribed me with some some supplements, which have been really, really helpful. So if anyone else is, is feeling that, definitely look into that avenue because it is, yeah, it's been great for me. Um, and really looking forward to Claire Bidwell-Smith's episode. It's going to be a really, really good one. And Abby says, time does absolutely not heal all wounds. 
yes, time does not diminish grief. It will always be there, ebbing and flowing. It is always changing and evolving. And I really like this thought to finish with. And we talk about this with our upcoming interview with David Kessler. But he said that maybe in time we grieve less with pain and more with love. And I really just like the way that he put that. Absolutely perfect. It's such a, such a good way to put things. And guys, thank you for joining us today and for sharing your experiences. As always, there are so many misconceptions in, in grief. And we hope that by listening to this episode, you know that you're not alone in whatever you're going through right now. And before we go, guys, we've also recently relaunched our monthly newsletter, which is called The Grief Debrief. And it's a monthly resource with lots of tips, advice and further reading around a specific griefy topic. And we've designed it so it gives you a deep dive into the things that we haven't shared on the pod or on our social channels. So some exclusive content for you. So be sure to sign up via our website. See you next time, guys. Love you guys. 